Back to requesting good company. This is our fourth installment of our career highlight where we highlight careers so that you, the viewers, could look at different opportunities. Today, we interviewed two of our coworkers, and both of them were in the military. We interviewed Christopher Curry, who is a drill sergeant in the Army. And I interviewed Richard Viglione, who is in the Navy. This is a great opportunity for us to highlight our military branches. This is just two out of many branches. And we're excited for you to see what we have in store. So welcome to Requesting Good Company. Today we, we have Christopher Curie, also known as Q. Uh, so Q, this is a military podcast. and We know you're a military guy. I am. Can you give us your title in the military? Just give us your title. My official title in the military now would be First Sergeant, United States Army, retired. How many years in? Almost 21. That's a lifetime. It is. And it feels like a lifetime ago. What made you get into the military? Well, I first joined the military back in the days where they first started ordering, uh, not ordering, but uh, offering some college repayment money and some college fund money. And at the time I was a poor restaurant manager and I was like, hmm, this sounds pretty good. Do some weekends once a month and 16 days during the summer and uh, make some extra bucks and they'll, they'll pay back on my student loans. So that's why I did it. I didn't intend it to become a career. What was some of the advantages of joining the military? It taught me, it made me grow up. It taught me discipline and how to, you know, make yourself do things you don't want to. It also showed me different views of the world and uh, got to know a lot of different people from all over, not just, you know, black and white here in the United States, but there was people from all over different countries. And it was pretty cool to get to know them and see how much we're more alike than we are different. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed that. Um, it just gave me drive too in some ways, areas to learn to excel, you know, plan a little bit. Um, just, I, it was just something I turned out that I really enjoy. So you said you met different people. Mm -hmm. Where where all have you been? Has it taken you different places? Yes. Um, I have been to, let's see, I lived here in Kentucky, so I started out in the Army Reserve. Um, been to Camp Shelby, Mississippi several times, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri several times, spent a lot of time out in the uh, uh, Fort Knox, uh, went to South Carolina, I can't remember the base down there, went to Fort McCoy um, three or four times, uh, Fort Bliss, Texas, I was deployed there for a year, uh, so, and, he, and then you end up traveling around, so I got to see a lot of different states while I did that, and then I ended up in Germany, um, Kuwait, Iraq. Saudi, not Saudi, when you go to Saudi, it was Qatar, right off Saudi Arabia, uh, Bahrain, so. Been everywhere. It's, I did, not everywhere, but I've done some traveling. Yeah. It, it, it's, and I like that. I really got to see other parts of the world that never ever would have gotten to see. I ended up in France uh, on a leave, went to France and uh, Britain, 
Um, that's a funny story. Most expensive lunch I never paid for. How'd that go? Uh, I took leave, and when we were deployed in the Middle East, we got, uh, I'm trying to remember how many days it was, I can't remember, but we got so many days leave, and they would fly us anywhere in the world we wanted to go. Well, I knew this before I left, and uh, I knew that I wouldn't want to come home because then I, you know, having to go back would be super hard. So I talked with my ex-wife at the time and, and I planned it all out. And I said, hey, if I take a leave and I go over to Germany, uh, would you be willing if I pay for the tickets and everything, I get her passport ahead, would you put my daughter on the plane on a direct flight to Germany, I'll pick her up and then she can spend her summer vacation with me a little bit while I'm over there. And surprisingly enough, she agreed. So, uh, and I think Rachel was like 14 at the time. So she put her on the plane, I met her over there. We did some tours. I took her to the Louvre, uh, the, the Palace at Versailles, Notre Dame. Um, the, we did the ride there in the river in France, Paris. Um, we were gonna do a longer tour and go to Britain, but that was a year they had a bunch of rain, they had a bunch of flood in London. So we didn't get to go there, but. So I had her for a while, and then I put her on a plane to go back home, and then I had some time left. So I really wanted to go to London while I was there, you know. And so I just hopped on a plane. It cost me like 700 bucks to fly from uh, Wiesbaden, Germany to uh, London, and uh, spent the night, got up, got on the big red bus, I wanted to go to the Hard Rock Cafe, the original Hard Rock Cafe, That's and have lunch. That's so got off at the Hard Rock there, and uh, I had my laptop with me, and I was having to look through some stuff. You know, the waitress came, and was, I bought my T-shirts and had lunch. And she saw uh, me with a bunch of some photos of the military guys, my buddies, on my laptop. And she's like, are you in the military? I was like, yeah, I'm just on leave. I'm getting ready to go back. we got to go back to the desert and join them. And she said, oh, that's so cool, you know, blah, blah, blah. She took off, and then she came back with a couple other waitresses, and she said, the manager wants to buy your meal. You don't know anything. That's nice. So they bought my meal. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, so then I did the, the tour there, and I saw the palace in, in uh, London there, did the little tour, and then at the end of the day, just took the other uh, the little red bus back to the uh, airport. That's cool. Back to Germany and back to the Middle East. That's pretty cool. Yeah, cost me like seven hundred bucks for that. Lunch, yeah. But it was cool. Because <laughs> I mean, that's a that's one of the advantages you would say of the military is you get to go places that yeah. you normally wouldn't go. Yeah. Like like when I was deployed in Fort Bliss, we were there for a year. Um, I went with a, a unit out of Indianapolis, and a lot of people were whining and crying. I was like, okay, listen. You guys got a job to do, you need to do it, okay? People aren't shooting at us, bombs aren't blowing up, and you're not sleeping in a, a you know, fighting position in the dirt. Um, we were a 24-hour, 24-7 unit, so we worked 24-7. Every week we processed a new group of, I had uh, civilian contractors, DA contractors, a lot of different contractors. We would process them through, and they had to get shots and dental work and equipment and briefings and this and that, and then we put them on a plane to go over to the Middle East to work for whoever they were working for. 
but I, I managed to get my guys off like five and a half days. They had to work five and a half days. I'm like, there's so much here around Fort Bliss to do, and you have leave. You can go up to Carlsbad Caverns. You can go up to uh, uh, the Grand Canyon. Uh, you can go over to Almaguardo to the, the ski resort. You can go to White Sands, New Mexico. And so I also had my daughter come down while I was deployed there, and I took her to all those places. Um, it, it depends on what you make of it. I mean, you can sit in the barracks and do nothing all day and not see anything, or you can take some time and explore the area that, that you're going to. So. so it seems like almost that your daughter even benefited from you being she in the did. military. Because she got those experiences as a young person. Yes. I, I never would have been able to take her to London or, yeah. <coughs> excuse me, Paris. But that was a benefit of my you know, service. That she got to enjoy too so I made the most of it and, you know got to show her things too so we did the advantages I don't know uh, we could talk about disadvantages disadvantages yeah there are disadvantages to the military and um, speaking of my daughter that was one of the biggest disadvantages birthdays I missed holidays I missed um, and you can't replace those um, when I finally got back for my last deployment, um, I had some minor medical problems, and they had me out of Fort Knox, and then I had a heart attack. Sheesh. And they, you know, sent me up here to Lowell, the Jewish hospital, took care of me, put me there, and I had to go through rehab. But while I was at the hospital for my heart attack, it was November the 7th, my heart attack. Well, my daughter's birthday was November the 13th. It was her 16th birthday. And I had an argument with the doctor. I said, you're going to release me Friday morning. It's my daughter's 16th birthday party and I'm going. He's like, no, you need to say that. I said, no, you don't understand. He said, no, you don't understand. There, there's other birthdays. I said, no, you don't understand. I have missed so many birthdays, Christmases, holidays. Yeah. This is her 16th birthday and I've been gone two years. I'm not going to miss this birthday. Yeah. You're either going to let me out or I'm going to get up and walk out of this hospital. But I'm going to be at that party. Yeah. If it kills me, I'm going to be there. He didn't like it, but he released me and I, you know, I got to her party. And uh, she cried. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna cry. Don't cry, you gotta, right. you gotta be over here, son. Because I actually made it. Yeah. That's a blessing. So it's a blessing. But, you know, all those things you can't replace. So um, there are disadvantages to it. You know, you're gone, your family misses you, they're worried about you. They, you can't tell them where you are and what you're doing and what's going on. And so, yeah, I know, you know. There are disadvantages to this, and your family, whether they want to or not, they're part of it, mm -hmm. and then they enjoy blessings and hardships because of what you do. Jeez, <laughs> jeez, cute <laughs> stuff like that. Yes, yeah, it does. Dang. Uh, what would you say like your favorite mission or favorite part of the military was? The people, the people, the friendships you make. Um, I can run into people now that I haven't seen in years, and it'll be just like nothing. Just like just yesterday, we'll talk about things. Those friendships will last a lifetime. Um, that, that, and that's the thing I miss the most, the people and the, the friendships. Because it's a different kind of friendship. Yeah. When, when you and I are working and we're out doing the things that they send us to do, and your life is in my hands and my life is in your hands. 
you get close. Yeah. And that that's a very tight bond, and it's it's not something I've ever seen anywhere else. I've seen close, but not like we are. You yeah. know, like I said, uh, you know, I got a buddy Johnny Miles works down here for the city of Louisville for the Metro, the Veterans Air Department, and uh, you know, it, it, if we saw each other, uh, you know, I went over several years ago and saw him. It's just we're tight. You know. Yeah. We'll always be friends, no matter what. And if you can call them, and if you need something, they'll come help you. And, you know, vice versa. When um, when you first started, like thinking about getting into the military, what was your thought process on that? Like you said, you were working at a restaurant. What what was your mindset going into it versus what it was? Yeah. I had actually thought about the military when I first went to college at UK, because you know your career days and all that, mm -hmm. and uh, I took some, uh, well, one of the career days I ran into an Air Force recruiter. Well, that sounds pretty cool. And then I took some military science classes, learned a little bit. Uh, so that was kind of my first interest, and then that kind of went away, and I dropped out of college and became a restaurant manager. And then uh, I saw those ads, and I always thought the Marines were pretty cool. So I actually went to a Marine recruiter first, and uh, he was never in. Yeah. And finally one day, they shared an office with other recruiters, and finally one day, the Army recruiter caught me. Yeah, gotcha. And he ended up getting me. Yeah, that's cool. Because you, you see those recruiters at like, when you're in high school, you have career fair, there's yeah. recruiters. And I had a guy that I was talking to for Air Force, you know, and. If I hadn't chose the football route, yeah, that was where I was going. And my mindset then was just do four years yeah. and get some money for college, get out. And that's another thing, like the pay. Mm -hmm. I know they pay the military people good because they always got nice cars, Mustangs and everything. Just well, you got to figure mm -hmm. it's not as good as you would think it is, but they don't have to pay rent. They don't have to pay food. Dang. You really don't have to pay for clothing. You know, you buy your little dress-up outfits you're going to wear, but they provide your first issue of military clothing, and then you get a clothing stipend every month. So as stuff wears out, you buy new, but you're getting that money all the time. So they don't they don't have to spend a lot of money on stuff. But when I first started in the reserves, you did two days of work. You got four days pay. So you had... We call them MUTAs, and I can't remember exactly what it stands for. Everything's an acronym in the military, M-U-T-A. Uh, so one MUTA was equivalent to one day. So you had two MUTAs in a, in a day and four for a drill, and so you got four days of pay. So back when I was a specialist or something, I, you know, I would end up making like $100 for a weekend. And back then, that was no, you know, that wasn't a... Yeah. Nothing to laugh at or sneeze at, especially for four days once a month. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. <clears throat> the thing that changed my mindset about the military mm -hmm. was I was in in Desert Storm Camp. Back then, my my unit was the reception battalion over here at Bowman Field, and back then everything was focused on World War III and fighting the Russians. And my unit's job was if what the balloon, that's what they called it, the balloon went up and World War III started, we were supposed to mobilize out to Fort Leonard, Missouri, take over the reception battalion there and let those soldiers go back to their 
respected units and do their jobs. Well, Desert Storm came up and I was actually in the schools at that time, so I wasn't with drilling with my unit on the weekends. I was going to the military school. And uh, I got a call on a Friday night in the restaurant and we had passcodes. It's all changed, so I guess I can talk about it now. But, you know, I got this phone call and they, this grass is greener on the other side. What? Uh -oh. That's the code. Yeah. That's... And I said, excuse me? Grass is greener on the other side. You know what that means, right? It's gun time. Yes, I know what that means. Be at be work on the field at uh, 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. We're being mowed. Okay. And uh, come to find out, that's when, you know, uh, the military can change your mission at any time, whatever they want. So they picked us to mobilize, and we went to Fort Knox instead of Fort Leonard Wood. And we set up, it wasn't called a reception battalion there, but what we did was any anybody who'd been discharged two years or less out of the military, and they had what they called a critical MOS. It's a MOS, it's your military occupational specialty, it's your job. Um, so Intel was one. They need guys that were Intel analysts. They would send those guys orders and order them back to active duty and into the service and send them out. And we processed them back into the Army. You talk about some mad, pissed off people. Like, yeah. nah, I'm done retired. I'm yeah. out. How are you putting me back? So I learned that the Army can change your job and your mission at any time. You can go anytime, anywhere, and do whatever you want. And you're not done when you're done. They can reach out and bring you back. Like if there was a big war right now, they could they could send me orders and order me back to active duty, even though I'm retired. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Because you're never really you're out. never really done. You know, huh. I, we processed a 70-year-old Vietnam veteran back into the Army for Desert Storm because he had an MOS that they needed. And he was he was actually willing to go, but you know, they didn't need they sent him orders and you're ordered to active duty. And that's interesting because like there's literally no other job that when you're done, mm -hmm. they can be like, Hey, I need you back. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Wow. We know you were a drill sergeant. This yes. is a random question. This ain't on the paper. This is just off the top of my head. I became a drill sergeant. You're a drill sergeant. Would that be considered your favorite part, like favorite job in the military? There's two ways to become a drill sergeant. Uh, in the regular army, most of the time they're just picked and sent orders and you're going to drill sergeant school. Yeah. And you can't turn it down. And it, it's bad if you manage to wiggle your way out of it, you know. Yeah. Um, in the Army Reserves, most of us actually volunteer because hmm. um, there's not a, you're going to be drill sergeant, suit up and go. Um, when I did it, it was a year-long school. I think in the Army it was uh, 12 weeks active duty school. And, uh, but we just did it on the weekends and then two summer drills. So you had uh, 16 days to start a year of drills and 16 days to finish it. Um, I actually volunteered for it. Um, in the 100th Division, which is what my Army Reserve unit was, we are a training division. We train privates and other stuff, different schools all over. But a good way to get promoted was become a drill sergeant. And there were always drill sergeant vacancies. 
I was the E5 sergeant at the time. And, I, you know, I worked in the headquarters section and I always saw the, the drill sergeant, the line companies is what we referred to them. Seeing them walking around wearing their hats. And, you know, they were kind of cool. One man just got the idea, you know, I'm going to become a drill sergeant. So I went to one of the first sergeants I knew and said, First sergeant, I'm going to become a drill sergeant. What? I guess he didn't really think about it. Back then, my personality was a little different. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll become drill sergeant. So he got all the paperwork done, got me in school, and went to school, got promoted to staff sergeant, and there's another leg of my career. Yeah. I like being a drill sergeant because privates basically want to learn. Most of them are volunteers now, well, they're all volunteers, but most of them want to learn. Yeah. And that's where that coaching and counseling and mentoring in me comes from. How when I tell you to go do something, especially if you don't know how to do it, I don't just go go do this and leave yeah. it. I go, go do this, here's how you yeah. do it, here's why you do it. Uh -huh. And that's that's where my perspective on training somebody comes from. So what would you have considered your best day versus your worst day in the military? Probably when I got promoted to first start. Um, that or the day I was in the parade and changed the command and got questioned by the commanding general why I was wearing my round brown, my brown round, instead of a Kevlar. Uh -oh. And I mean, so those are good days. Bad days, yeah. I've been over when a soldier's been killed. It's a very bad day. Uh, yeah. Like while being deployed? Mm-hmm. Do they, I know they offer probably counseling and stuff for that, but. They do, but most of the time you, you don't have time when that stuff's going on. Yeah. You've got to have someplace where you go down and because when that stuff's going on it, it, you don't have time to, to process at the moment that has to kind of be put away and later because you break down it, you know you've seen people out here when somebody passes away you do that in a battlefield you're going to die too and more of your friends are going to die so you kind of got to compartmentalize it and then you know later on comes out and hits you. Yeah. It's hard. Thank you. That's a, that's a lot, man. 21 years of it, you know. 21 years. I got, that's why I say I got a lot of experiences with just my parts of it I love, parts of it I hate. Yeah. But I'm not sorry I did it. Uh, that was going to be my next question. If I'm not you could sorry go back, I did it. would you do one it all time, the same? One time my mother, yes. One time my mother asked me, why do you do this? I looked at her and said, somebody has to do it. Somebody did it before me. Somebody has to do it. I'm doing it so my brothers and sisters have to. Yeah. And somebody to, has to do it. Yeah. Somebody has to be willing to fight and die if necessary for us to enjoy our freedoms. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. This is the last question, Keith. <laughs> You didn't expect all this. No, this, hey, this is deep, man. This is a Denzel movie, pretty much, for real. Um, the last question is, if you were to give your cue statement or words of encouragement or 
or advice for someone looking to get into the military or just even your blanket words of encouragement statement to the people, what would you say? It would probably be two, two different things. Um, I strive now to be a better person than I was yesterday. That's powerful. Because you can't, you know, I used to say that it changed the world, but I can make a difference. Come on. That's, that's, um, that's real. I've made so much difference in people's lives just through different contacts. Uh, I was out at Fort Knox training all summer as a drill sergeant and I uh, got a day off. I went to the movie theater and uh, I'm sitting there playing a video game, waiting for the movie. And I hear behind me, hey, drill sergeant. And you're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> I miss being close. Yeah. You know, I'm off. It's my I'm day off. And this, this kid came over and uh, I had had him in the reception time. And he said, uh, I always made time to talk to him. And I would always tell, I would make an hour, some point during their in processing where I would literally talk to them. And I would tell them the drill sergeant's never gonna talk to you like this again, ever. I'm gonna let you ask any question you want. And I'm gonna tell you the truth. Mm. Ask me about training, ask me what you're scared of, tell me, I'm gonna tell you what it's like. And he said, you helped me so much get through basic training, what you told me. And I wouldn't have made it without you. I had this kid for three days. Yeah. In reception time. It's three days to process it in the army. Three days. You made a difference. I made that much difference in this kid in three days. Three days. So I was like, I can affect people. Yeah. And that's what we do. We can affect people. You can really help somebody. And you never know what it is, what one little tiny thing you do or don't do might affect and change somebody's life. So that's that's my two things. We're always requesting good company. Thank you, Q. That was amazing, powerful, and it's something that people need to hear. I hope they I hope somebody benefits from it. I hope they do. For sure.